morning, everyone here in the house, around in our watch group rooms and joining us online. It is good to have you with us today. Let's all smile for a second. There you go, okay, all right. Hey, we are living in a time period like never before. It's the only time where I think young people and old people alike can say, I've never lived in a time period like this. And we can all take comfort in that, that um, even though all the circumstances around us are very strange at this time, and even, unfortunately, with a lot of political unrest, even social unrest and discouragement in our country, it's sometimes very difficult to not be a little worried Sad, nervous, anxious. Um, I just want you to know that our Heavenly Father not only already knows what's gonna happen in your life, okay, but he has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. And your prayer at all times, regardless of what's going on in your country, is this. Not my will, but your will be done. And trust in that and relax in that as you pioneer into this year that has been 2020 and even into 21. What is God calling us to do? And that's why we've chosen this series. It's been a great series thus far on pioneering into unknown territory. And that's kind of where we're all at. We're in it together in that sense that many of us don't know what the future per se holds. And um, I know God doesn't want you to lose sleep over it. In fact, he wants to inspire you through it. And I trust this series is gonna do that for you and continue to encourage you as we study the book of Acts, a pioneer faith. Hey, each week I wanted to start out with a pioneer that we'll just kind of talk about and focus on that'll be a real inspiration for us. And uh, we've had Billy Graham, William Tyndale, we've had some names up here. Today, uh, I'm gonna pull up a picture. We'll see if you know the name. You may recognize him, but um, God has used him in a special way and he's our pioneer today. Here's a picture of him. Um, God has called him to a whatever, I surrender comfort. Whenever, I surrender my plans, Lord, and however, I will surrender my ways. Uh, uh, whatever, whenever, however faith is what Jesus calls to us. It's not on my timetable, the way I want it to go, and how I would like it to be. That's not the disciple's life. And so if you're in the business of your way, your plans, and your future, you're gonna struggle through time periods like this. But if you go, God, whatever you got for me, I'm in. Let's do it. I'm gonna respond to it and move forward in faith. Then God is calling you to pioneer for him. This young man grew up in Australia. When his parents put him in school, you can see from the pictures, if you're listening on podcasts, this is a young man without arms and without legs. It's hard enough going to school as children when that's the first time in your life you find out that how you look matters to other people. They point out your flaws. They point out things that they don't like, whether you view them as flaws or not, the world may, right? They point out your disabilities. They point out facial features or body parts that are different than others. This is the age when you go to school, you find a lot of these things. Well, for this young man, going to school was a pretty traumatic event. For although his mom and dad always told him he was special and God has a great plan for his life, being around other children without arms and without legs brought a lot of various responses. I mean, what would it like to watch another kid ride a bike? What would it be like to have to be picked up and carried everywhere, placed in chairs, walked around? What would it be like to live with that, walking around, or living in a world where everyone's walking around and running around. His brothers and sisters have arms and legs. His mom and dad had arms and legs. He did not. It was his calling in life, and it was a very difficult one. At the age of 10, he tried to convince his dad he just wanted to relax in the tub, but he actually tried to take his life by drowning himself. His testimony is powerful. But he talks about a quote that's actually a very famous quote. And he says, there's two most important days of your life. There's two days and they're the most important days of your life. The day you were born and the day you find out why you were born. Do you know why you were born? I mean, he says, if life is about having a family, I'm born with no arms and legs. What woman could ever love me? He said, if life is about getting a house, how could I ever have a job without arms and legs? If he said, if life is about building a retirement income or stuff or status, how could I ever achieve any of that? But God put a call 
on this kid's life. And his testimony is incredible, but he gave his life to Christ and he went into speaking and sharing his testimony where literally he'd go before crowds and they would pick him up and set him on a table. And sitting on that table, he would walk back and forth as God gave him ability and share the gospel. It is said that in 2005, he began Life Without Limbs in the United States. That's his ministry, which he is now obviously the CEO of. Life Without Limbs has recorded, ready? One million responses to salvations from Nick's talks. Amen? Oh my goodness, how God has used this. Life Without Limbs has a goal. By the year 2028, they want to share the gospel with over a billion people. Now, I don't know what happens in 2028. Maybe that's when Nick says, I'm done. But he says, that is our goal. And God is using Nick Vojacek in amazing ways. And it is astonishing what he can do. If you've ever heard him speak to children, it's truly, truly enjoyable. For he can take what's maybe an, a hand or a leg, however you look at it, um, he can flip phones up to his ear and catch them. One of his favorite hobbies is swimming. Put that together for a minute. I've watched him in various ways, even at a younger age when he first started speaking. And I've always been incredibly, incredibly challenged by him and inspired by him. For this is a young man that has taken the challenge of whatever you give me, whenever you call me, and however you call me, I'm gonna do it. Nick Vujicic is our pioneer today, and he is somebody that God is using in massive, massive ways. And this is a great quote of his. If God can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet, then he will certainly use any willing heart. Heavenly Father, use today to inspire us to get out of any defeat, to navigate any discouragement, to rise up and walk instead of be crippled by fear, doubt, worry, anxiousness. God, the enemy wants to cripple your children, but you want them to walk. But in some ways, even if it can't be physical, you want to change them so they can handle any adversity that is thrown their way in this sin-cursed earth. While we live in this world, we will have trouble. While we live in this world, we will have disease. While we live in this world, we will have young boys born without arms or legs. One day they'll run the streets of gold, but during this time period, Lord, you can still use a life in a massive way despite what the world says can be done. For with you, Lord, we know all things are possible. Use this sermon today to inspire us to not sit on the road defeated or hide in a corner fearful or wallow in self-pity, but instead say, Lord, whatever, however, whenever I'm in, what do you have for me? Thank you, Lord, for this challenge. Thank you for this life. We will leverage today as an example in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus had some whatever, whenever, however, guys. Peter, the influential leader. James, the passionate fighting guy. I mean, let's call down thunder. John, the man of conviction. It's black or white. Andrew, the servant leader, behind the scenes, constantly bringing people to Christ. Jesus called Philip, the detail guy. God loves accountants, right? Yeah, he also called Bartholomew or Nathaniel, the brainiac, the scholar of the group. He called Matthew, the recovering rebel, a publican stealing from his own people, immediately followed Christ and shared the gospel with so many Jews in Matthew. Thomas, the faithful follower. James of Alphaeus, the obscure one. He's listed every time the disciples are listed, but we don't know one thing he said. Thaddeus, the energy guy, the hype guy. Jesus, show yourself to everybody, Simon the zealot. Jesus had around him even political activists who wanted to see the Jews take over Rome. And Matthias, 
the replacement for Judas who betrayed Jesus, but grew up within the disciples and they called him out from within them. And here are these men, they're witnesses to the salvation that Jesus can bring and the saving truth that Jesus is the Christ. And God is building his church here in Acts and today, we're going to focus, as we have been, on certain ones of his apostles. Today will be Peter again and John. They're together at an event. And God uses them to change someone's life forever. And yes, in fact, that person is a crippled man laying at a gate. Where did they get the inspiration to do this? Where did they have in their heads, hey, let's see if we can do this for this person. Who had they witnessed? Who have they watched? Well, we know who that is. That's our Lord and Savior. There's an interesting account recorded in John's gospel, the man of, of conviction. It's actually John chapter 5, 1 through 9. The account occurs at what's called the Pool of Bethesda. On the screen, I have a picture up from Logos that is a picture um, of a, a temple, this is Herod's temple. This is what the temple would have looked like during the time of Jesus when he walked the earth. It had amazing walls surrounding it, massive, massive courts inside the temple walls, the court of the Gentiles, the court of women. It was also places where there was a portico that went all the way around with huge colonnades. And often Jesus would go to those colonnades and he'd teach his disciples. I can't imagine how many times the apostles gathered underneath the porticos and listened to Jesus teach. Young people, the temple was kind of like the mall of the day. You went there and there was food, there were stores, there were things to purchase, but it was also a place of worship. And they'd enter into that area for the priests to perform the sacrifices and obviously only the priest into the Holy of Holies. The center of the court is the temple building itself. It was built in such a way, wide in the front, small in the back, and a long front exterior to look like a lion laying down and staring out as a powerful figure. So it had intentional architecture. Titus, who destroyed this building, said, if you have never seen Herod's building, you have never seen a beautiful building. It's right outside the wall, though. There was a sheep gate and some pools for Herod. There's this place called the Pool of Bethesda. And Jesus would, every once in a while, go down to this pool. And his disciples obviously would follow him. John records the account of what he witnessed Jesus do at that pool. He says, now, in Jerusalem... By the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. Okay, so you know which one. John says, in these pools lays a multitude of invalids. Now, invalid is someone who is helpless or without strength or without power is the original word there. Blind people, lame people, and even paralyzed you know, before modern medicine, a lot of the conditions we can get through today because of what has happened, you couldn't get through then. For example, if I was born in the time of Jesus, I may be considered blind because I was determined legally blind at a young age and I had all sorts of stigmatisms now with modern medicine stuff. I had laser eye surgery and I can see through a lot of you people. I mean, it's amazing. That's, that's not true. But, 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 we have ways of fixing eyesight, but even back then they didn't. And many of these things are things that might be fixed now that couldn't even be fixed then. But definitely not somebody who was paralyzed or somebody who was crippled. And, and the blind and the lame and the paralyzed, they lay by this pool. One man was there who had been there as an invalid for 38 years. Why are they by the pool? Well, Let's jump into seminary for a second because some textual criticism will help us. You say, oh boy, textual criticism, I'm out. Some of you are like, let's go. Okay. <laughs> textual criticism is where they get the original manuscripts where they write out what you read in your Bibles. Now, certain Bibles are built off of certain manuscripts, but these manuscripts sometimes would have margins. And in those margins, the scribes would write down some extra thoughts. And it was really up to the translator of whether they were going to include the scribal message or not. Well, some of your Bibles have this. Some of them don't, depending on the, the manuscript it was written from. But you'll notice that there is a scribal entry for this passage. And let me give you an example of what that might look like. You have the original language, and then you have scribal entries on the side. 
Well, the scribal entry tells us why they all went to the pool, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at a certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then went first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in and was made well from whatever disease with which it was afflicted. Now, the scribal would try to transfer whether this should be in scripture or not, but it's left out in some or put in some, but it gives us an idea of the background of what was occurring. They felt like if we're by the pool, when the water stirred, it was a hot pool, and they did not know the medicinal aspects of hot water on the body, as many doctors would tell you today. They didn't know this. So they gather around this pool, and they would figure, we're gonna be healed inside this pool. I just gotta get in it when the stirring of the water occurs. Well, Jesus shows up at this pool, and there's laymen all the way around, specifically one who has been there for 38 years. And he says something to him. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Jesus, that's almost rude. Do you want to be healed? The guy's lame. He's been carried down to the pool for 38 years. Who knows if they've left him there one night because they forgot to take him back home. And you want to tell me, do you want to be healed? That's like a duh, right? But you know something about our Lord and Savior, don't you? He's far more interested than fixing physical ailments, isn't he? He wants to fix a life. And he penetrated that soul that day and said, do you want to get healed? It's almost like he said, do you want to get physically well? Do you want to live forever? Because I can offer that. Oh, man, look at the guy's response. Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water stirred up, and while I am going, while I'm trying to get myself there, someone goes ahead of me. I bet our pioneer Nick knows what it's like to see people just go ahead of him. I've been laying here and and I can't get in the pool. And and Jesus looks at him. John and Peter are watching this, I'm sure. John records it. Jesus looked at him and said, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Jesus healed him. Jesus selected him that day, for there were many around that pool, but Jesus saw him. And what's neat is Jesus knew he had been there a long time, a long time. Get up and walk. His question was, do you wanna get well? Get up and walk. And so our question today is, do you wanna get well? You understand, Jesus, I've been like this for a long time. Do you wanna get well? You understand, Jesus, Even if I wanted to get well, I can't. My body is crippled. Do you want to get well? You don't understand, Jesus. Nobody will help me. Jesus didn't say, do you think it's possible? He didn't say it's other people's fault. He didn't say any of that. He said, do you want to get well? I want to talk today to the person who came in here a little defeated. I want to talk to the day the person who didn't come in here because they're defeated. I want to talk to the person today who feels like their life is hopeless. I want to talk to the kid today who feels like he can't be loved or she can't be loved. I want to talk to the wife who can't believe this is where her marriage is at and is it going to be like this forever. I want to talk to the husband out there who doesn't know if he'll make it and doesn't really want to be alive and doesn't even want to tell anybody why. I want to talk to the defeated person. I may not know what it's like to be crippled. In fact, I wouldn't even dare try. But I do know what it's like to have a broken heart. And we're in a year where there is defeat all around us. Suicide rates are up. Depression is at all-time highs. And people are overwhelmingly tired, discouraged, and barely battling on. And if you're in here today going, I've actually had a great year, we need you to be an inspiration to other people. Because there is so much defeat. And I want to talk to you today, and I want to use the words of Jesus and say, it may be time for you to get up and walk. You say, you don't understand my circumstance, Chris, and I don't. 
But Jesus is in the business of feeling healing far more than physical ailments. He wants your soul to live forever. John saw this life get changed. He saw a defeated person get up. He watched Jesus do it. And you might say, you don't know my situation though. I can't get up. So, so let's not hear from Chris for a second. Let me hear from another pioneer. Her name is Joni Erickson Tata. She says, God may remove your suffering. He may, he may. And that will be great cause for praise. Oh, she's so great to listen to. She's so wonderful. If you've ever had a chance to listen to her speak, she would say it like this. God may remove your suffering and that would be great cause for joy for you. And you're just like, that's great. She's just so wonderful. But if not, he's gonna use it. Even if he doesn't remove the suffering that you might be feeling, that you might be going through, whether it be emotional or physical, even if he doesn't remove it, he can use it. He will use anything and everything. So let God mold you and make you, transform you from glory to glory. That's the deeper healing. Johnny Erickson's not only a quadriplegic, she has struggled with cancer that has really caused her tremendous pain. And she's telling us he might not take the suffering, but he's going to use it. And for all of us who had a bad day when the power's out or your computer doesn't work or whether you don't like what the news is saying, get some perspective, right? Let's get some perspective. When's the last time you prayed and said, Heavenly Father, thank you that I have arms. Heavenly Father, thank you that I have legs. Pastor Doug always tells our staff, our faith takes a huge step. When we stop asking God to change our circumstances, and we start asking God to change us. Which would you rather have, him change your circumstances or change you so you can handle any circumstance? You say, well, you're living in Bucks County, Chris. We're leveraging Nick's testimony even more than mine. For I have my own sufferings, so do you. We might not all share them, but there are many people who battle Demons in their head and lies they've believed even from the school play yard ground that they still struggle with today that tell them they're ugly, they don't measure up, they always fall short, they'll always be a loser, no one could love you. Nick would say, how could anybody love me? I'll never be married. American dream? I'll never know what it's like. This is who we wanna talk to today. This is what has been impacting John and Peter, and they get their own chance in the book of Acts, where we enter today at chapter three. This time we're still outside the temple, you're all familiar now from the previous story at Bethesda, but now we're up here towards the gate called Beautiful. Most people believe that was the one right in front of the temple building. We're in Acts chapter three, the first 10 verses enter into this area where the Peter and John are walking up to the temple. Scripture says, now Peter and John were going up at the temple at the hour of prayer. What hour would that be? The ninth hour. When would that be? 3 p.m. most likely. So it's late afternoon. They're headed up to the temple. You say, why are they headed to the temple? They're preaching Jesus, right? Aren't they New Testament now? This is that transitionary period where you still see the apostles practicing a lot of their Judaism and the religion of that time period. They're still doing these things. And they head up to the temple to perform sacrifices, to have time to prayer, um, and, and to go up into the temple. So here, they run across a lame man who had been there, who was carried. So a man, lame from birth, was carried, whom they had laid at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those who are entering the temple. Now what are alms? Alms are, are asking for an act of charity to be given to them. Now, Peter and John had walked with Jesus. That was in their head. They had seen Jesus heal these things. They had known that they had been given what we call sign gifts. The apostles had power to heal people during this time period. And as they're walking up to the gate, this guy sees Peter and John. Now, keep in mind, he'd been there for 38 years, so the chances of Jesus having walked by him are incredibly high. The chances of Jesus and his disciples having walked by him are incredibly high. The chances that John and Peter had seen him before 
are incredibly high. And he asked him for alms. Charity, charity. He's been carried there. Hey, 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 stud athletes out there, give me a second. Have you ever been wrestling with your buddies and one of, you, one of your buddies gets too low on you and he gets down and he gets your legs and he gets you up on his shoulder? You know that feeling of, I'm done. It's helpless. It's literally helpless. It's not very cool when your sons get old enough to do it to you either, okay? It's not very cool. There's a helpless feeling to it, like, oh my word. Imagine having to be carried everywhere. I mean, how humbling. How difficult. If you're out there today and you're watching and you're carried everywhere in life, you're put in a car, you're taken somewhere, Jesus sees you. One day, one day in glory, you're gonna run all over the place, but Jesus don't miss you. His disciples... They hear this guy calling for alms, charity, charity. And Peter directed his gaze at him, spots him, as did John. See, I got an imagination and it starts flowing. I'm picturing them walking up to the gate. They see this guy, he's laying there. Okay, if you're listening, I'm kind of picturing him laying by his side. And here come Peter and John and Peter catches a glimpse of him. Now we know Peter, he's off to work, you know. He's been preaching, he's all going now. He, he's locked in. John, he's, he's right by him, man of conviction. They're headed into the temple. Peter spots him. I wonder, does he look over at John? John looks at Peter should we? I think we should. All right, let's do it. They come over. Hey, look at us. Look at us, they say. Scripture says, look at us. Look at us. They watch Jesus engage one person all the time. Look at us. This is important. This is a listen up. Hey, moms, you got a little toddler. You're talking. Stop it. Stop it. Knock it off. And they just keep going like they can't even hear you. Stop it, stop it, stop, knock it off, stop it. You know, if I, knock it off, right, right, and they just keep going. It's like, if I don't make eye contact, here's a little discipline trick, a little discipline trick, get down their level. Hey, 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 look at me, 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 look at me. No, 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 right here, right here, right here. Okay, are we here, we here? I speak from experience on both ends. No. Peter says this is too important, I want you to look at me, look at me, look at me. He looks at him, and Peter says this. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver, and I have no gold. Oh, man, that's what the man needs, right? The man needs stuff. But what I do have, I'm gonna give to you. Okay, we're back in, we're intrigued. And then he drops this on him. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Oh boy. I'm not here to give you gold and silver. I'm launching you up onto your legs. And the coolest thing happens then, because you know the life of Peter. The coolest thing happens, look at this. And he took him, Peter grabs him. Mm, grabs his hand by the right hand and raised him up. Mm, stand up. And immediately his feet and his ankles. Oh, imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine stomping on the feet. Are you kidding me? Right? Some of you, you ever get those dead legs from sitting too long? I'm not going to say what room. And, and you get up and your legs are numb and all that stuff. This is all happening. Things are happening. He's standing up. Peter stands him up. And it's so awesome. It's Peter. See, this Peter guy, one time he jumped out of a boat and he was running on water and fear got a hold of him. Doubt got a hold of him. And he fell into the water and he was drowning in defeat of his lack of faith that he could continue to walk. And his savior came up and gave him a right arm and said, come on, man. Because sometimes we need to get lifted. And Peter got a chance to do it for someone else. Grabbed him in his defeated state and said, come on, stand up. And immediately he was made strong. And watch this reaction. And leaping up, he stood up and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. I mean, when's the last time you leaped? It's hard to be cool and leap, right? Like if I was preaching and every once in a while I went, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, I mean, he should probably be at sight and sound, not at... 
at first, right? I mean, when's the last time you leaped? There's probably an Eagles touchdown, guys, right? Was that the last time you're like, ah, you knocked over the popcorn? I mean, what makes people leap? Students, I wouldn't suggest you walk into school and be like, hey, guys, what's up? I mean, you got to be pumped up. He can't believe his feet. And he's running around, and all the people saw him. They all saw this. And they, and they saw him praising God, and they recognized it was the one who had sat at the beautiful gate of the temple. This guy's been playing for 38 years, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. I mean, what happened to him? I mean, Jesus' apostles now can heal? Does this still happen today, some even ask? You know, they're often referred to as the sign gifts, the gifts of tongues we've talked about, even the gift of healings that the apostles had. There's three specific times the gift of healing where people were engaging in healing people are clear in scripture. You have Moses and Joshua. You have Elijah and Elisha. And you have Jesus and the apostles. And all three times, those healings were used to authenticate what God was doing, and to bring glory to him. Now, I personally believe that God is still healing today in great and mighty ways. In fact, I've been a part of prayers that have seen healing occur in awesome ways. And people even say, Chris, do you think you can still heal today? Well, the church of Christ, even in James, is called to gather around and be praying for people that healing would be found. But I've also watched children of God in our church not get a healing. That wasn't for them. And the question people, when they often ask me, do faith healings happen today? They're really asking me, do you believe those faith healers on TV can do it? That's what they're really asking. And, and so here's what I would offer to you. I like to preach discernment and to educate the best I can. I'm not here to call something a lie I'm never gonna put God in a box. Because God can do whatever he wants. Whenever he wants to, he doesn't need your permission and he doesn't have to check your theology. But there's something you ought to know, especially young people as you navigate the church world and college and things like this. There's things you should know about the biblical pattern of healing that will help educate you on what you might be seeing somewhere. There's five things that I want you to know that are characteristics of the healings we saw in scripture. And I kind of use these as the biblical pattern to inform my thinking. One, healings in the biblical account were immediate. He healed instantly. The healings were instant. In fact, the longest I ever waited was maybe a minute or two to go down to a pool. It was never go home and wait and let us know if it takes. Call us back or refer to the website if it doesn't take. Here's the second one. Healings were total. They were complete Total healings. They weren't symptoms. And Jesus would never blame faith if the healing didn't take. Well, if you had greater faith, he healed them. And their faith in him is what brought the healing. So healings were total, not, not partial. Three, healings were impartial. Okay? Um, Jesus healed any infirmity. It wasn't a select kind of infirmity, and you never needed to stand in line to qualify if you were allowed to be a part of the healing. Nobody came up to you, know, okay, yes, what was your infirmity? Okay, you can go see Jesus. That was never, didn't happen. Um, healings were undeniable, even to the detractors. Even people said, this can't be. They were undeniable. Nobody could deny the healings have completely altered a life. So Jesus healed, obviously. There was no question, even from the critic. And then fifth, his healings were surprising. He healed anytime, anywhere. It was never orchestrated. Jesus didn't go to the pool of the Bethesda and say, hey, Saturday night, seven o'clock, I want you to come down to the temple. We're gonna have a big service. It was instant, it was total, it was impartial, it was undeniable, it was surprising. And I want you to keep that in your mind as you discover different practices of faith and let that inform you of what happens in scripture so that can be your bedrock versus your experience. Because I'll tell you something, especially young people, if experience is your theology, you can really get off track. 
The word of God needs to serve as you're moving forward. But with that in mind, who knows what God wants to do, but that has informed my thinking on what happens today. In our account, they're astonished. They're looking at him, maybe he's jumping over him, I don't know. And so they go down to Solomon's portico. Yes, exactly where Jesus was. Peter gets to preach where Jesus is, and he begins to tell the crowd. One, he had to confront them earlier about them thinking they were drunk because they were speaking in tongues. Now he has to confront them again because they give the credit to Peter and John. And Peter goes, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. So they gather together. They're running into the portico, this huge colonnade where even Jesus spoke at. And this is what scripture says, Peter says. While he clung to Peter and John, this guy's hanging on him, right? Uh, Parents, if you got a kid who hangs on you, speaking as a parent who no longer has children to hang on him, you know, soak it up. I mean, yeah, every once in a while, shake them off, but soak it up, soak it up, and, and enjoy that time period. I picture that when I hear this guy's hanging on Peter and John. So Peter's trying to preach. Okay, man, okay. Knock my leg, I get it, all right? Uh, all the people are astounded. They ran together into the portico of Solomon's, and Peter saw it and addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us? Jesus, Peter's borrowing what the angel said to him. Why do you stare at us, men of Galilee? Go. He uses that. He's like, I like that line. That was good. Why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus. You saw him. He walked before you. You delivered him over. And denied in the presence of Pilate. When Pilate had decided to release him, you still delivered him over. Peter's still confronting them about crucifying Jesus. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you all. And you killed the author of life. What a beautiful title for Jesus. Whom God raised up from the dead. To this we're all witnesses. You saw it. He raised again the third day. He walked, he talked, we saw him, we're witnesses, and his name, it was his name. I leveraged his name when I healed that man. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, and by faith in his name, and made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus had given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. If I go into a job interview, and I'm sitting, in a, I'm sitting in a foyer, and one of the guys across from the foyer who was applying for the job goes, hey man, you got the job. I'd say, what? Well, I'm just saying, I think you got the job. I'm thinking you got the job. I don't go to work based on that. But if the president sends in the second in command, the assistant to the president, and the, president, the assistant president comes walking in and says, hey Chris, um, on behalf of the president, I speak in his name, um, we're giving you the job. I go to work the next day. Because I have faith that in that name, I can actually get it done. Peter's saying, I'm leveraging the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, anything you see out there today that puts the glory on the man instead of the glory on God, stay far away from. Peter says, it was by faith in his name. He may have seen Jesus walking along and healing people. Maybe not him, but for 38 years, he sat by that gate. For three of those years was Jesus' ministry. But whatever it was, when Peter said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up, he believed, I can rise up by faith in his name. Have you ever placed your faith in Jesus' name? Do you remember a time? Has there ever been a time? I told you I wanted to speak to the defeated person today. Is today possibly a day of victory? Is it possible that Jesus wants to stop by you and say, it's time to rise up and walk? You say, Chris, I have a physical infirmity. Chris, I have an emotional. He wants to heal far more than even physical. He wants to talk to you about your spiritual life. Scripture's so clear. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you can be saved even today and rise up and not only live for a couple years. Nick Wojcik says, I'm a little selfish. I don't want to live for 80 years. I want to live for a million and live forever in eternity with your heavenly father by simply calling upon the name of the Lord, repenting from your sin and turning from it about face and taking off and pioneering what he has for you.
Peter challenges the audience. We're challenged today with that same message. Do you want to get well? Child of God, are you tired of being discouraged? Child of God, are you tired of being stuck doing the same thing over and over and over each day, hoping for different results? Are you tired of waiting on somebody else to change? Well, if they change, maybe our family better. If that person gets fired, maybe I'll get the opportunity. Are you waiting for somebody else? Are you tired? Is it time for change? I guarantee you it's gonna take changing your ways. Even if you've been doing it for 38 years. I guarantee you it's gonna mean admitting you're helpless. I got, I got nobody to put me in the pool. I guarantee you if you wanna get well, it's gonna mean stop blaming people. You don't understand, people run ahead of me. I guarantee you if you wanna change, it's gonna be walking by faith. The victim mentality will not inspire you to move forward in your suffering. It will only cripple you. Nick said, I was never crippled until I lost hope. Believe me, the loss of hope is far worse than the loss of limbs. Nick's saying, I'd rather live like that than to live with someone or to live like someone who has no hope. He says that's actually far more crippling than my life. Here's what I wanna do today. I told you at the end of each message, I'm gonna give you some steps of faith we can all take. And so in our final 10 minutes, let's do that. Rise up and walk. Six choices that can heal the crippled heart. And if you're here today and go, Chris, what do you know about this? I'll, I'll accept that. And so here's what I decided to do. I would love for you all to kind of go watch a video of Nick. I really believe that his messages are truly, truly powerful and it's easy now for you. Whether you got Roku or whatever, you can put it on YouTube and watch a video even this afternoon of him. Very inspiring, especially if you feel defeated. But I thought just in case none of you do your homework, I'll give you a summary. And so these six things are gonna be encouragements from Nick, not me. And so he's speaking without arms and without legs to you, saying there is reason for you to have hope. Here we go. The first one, you have a choice to make and it's gratitude or not. You can be defeated with discontentment or you can have gratitude. Nick says, you can either be angry for what you don't have or thankful for what you do have. He said most of his life it was, I will never be able to do that, I will never be able to do that. And he changed and said, but I can do this, but I can do this, but I can do this. And that grabbed him out of his discouragement. Here's the second one. Oh, let me give you a verse for this, gratitude. Proverbs 14, 30. I think this speaks to a generation that's in the comparison game, whether it's social media. Do you have a lot of people you wish you were like? A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy actually rots the bones. That's scripture talking. There is a negative health impact on us when we live with jealousy and wanting to be like other people. Nick said, I can be angry for what I don't have or thankful for what I do. Here's the second one. Second choice you need to make if you're feeling defeated today is purpose. I will not be crippled by disappointment of what my lot in life is, basically. He says, if he doesn't give me a miracle, I'm gonna be a miracle for someone else. How beautiful is that? If I don't get my miracle, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna be a miracle for somebody else. Whose miracle could you be? One of my favorite verses is, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. See, we believe a lie a lot of times that our life doesn't have purpose. But if you've got a pulse, ba-boom, 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 you've got a purpose. You're here for a reason, and God wants to use it. Don't lose hope. I will not be crippled by disappointment. Here's a third one he shares. Persistence, I'll not be crippled by obstacles. 
Don't put your life on hold so you can dwell on the unfairness of past hurts. Nick experienced a lot of hurt in his life growing up. But his persistence is astonishing. I had a chance to see him speak in front of a group of kids. And he's so good in front of kids. He's up on the table and the kids are just astounded by him. And he's got all this energy. And he goes, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna jump off this table and flip and land. The kids are like, what? He goes, could you move it? Could you move it? And he's going back and forth like he does. Could you move that? Clear the ground. They're clearing the ground and I'm even like watching, like what, are you really gonna jump? And, and he's standing there because he had just taken, he has a, a little knob actually right at the bottom of his body and he can flip a phone up and catch it with his, I mean, it's astounding what he can do. You can see him crawling out of swimming pools. I mean, it's astounding what this guy can do. And he said, I'm gonna jump. And all the kids are watching. He goes, okay, ready? One, two, three. He goes, are you kidding me? I'm not gonna jump. I could fall and break my arm. And the kids just howl at I mean, they just howl at me. This guy has such a spirit about him. But one of the things he told those kids is, don't dwell on the past. Keep moving. Persistence, persistence. And he proceeded to lay himself down on the table face forward. He said, I should not be able to get up. But he had tried as a young man hundreds and hundreds of times. And then he finally showed the kids how using his chin, his shoulder, he'd worked and stood himself up and all the kids cheered in the room. He said, kids, if you fail, try again, try again, try again. Try again, try again. Being defeated is often a temporary condition. Giving up is what makes it permanent. But one thing I do, Paul said, forgetting what is behind, straining forward to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize of God's heavenly calling. That's what a pioneer does. The fourth one is trust. He says, I encourage you to accept that you may not be able to see a path right now. Yes, you may be at home, you may be here and going, I don't see a path out of my current situation. But that doesn't mean it's not there. Nick, you could tell when he was young speaking, desperately desired to feel a woman's love. He lamented he'd never be able to hug someone, but he would love to feel what it'd be like for a lady to love him enough to hug him. Well, he could have given up on that in defeat, but this guy and the magnetic personality is. Let me show you a picture of his family now to this day. See, he knows this truth, Isaiah 43, 19. If you're listening, we have a picture of his family with his four children and his beautiful wife. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And as a father who knows what it feels like to feel your kids' successes, failures, joys, and to live life through them in some ways, how cool is it for Nick to be able to live life through his four kids that God richly blessed him Thank goodness he didn't give in to defeat. Thank goodness that he kept trusting even when there was doubt. Five, truth. It's a lie to think you're not worth anything, he says. Even if people are pumping that message into you, it's a lie to think you're not worth anything. He said, if I go through a mall, children look at me and think I'm an alien. He says, sometimes it offends me and I yell and run at them. but he knows he has great worth with his Lord and Savior. And he says, I won't be crippled by the lies. First Peter 1 18, 19 says, we have tremendous value. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, Peter and John, which lose their value. This is Peter writing this, guys. He's the one who stood there and said, hey, we don't have silver and gold. And he writes in his book, it wasn't paid with gold or silver which lose their value. It was by the blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb. Peter and John were inspired by our heavenly father, Jesus, to get true, true healing starts inwardly. And then finally, fear is the biggest disability of all and it will paralyze you more than being in a wheelchair. 
And so our last one is faith. I will not be crippled by fear. Folks, it's impossible to live in 2020 and have somebody in your life not trying to scare you. Well, I know what's gonna happen. You see what happened? This is the latest thing that happened. Breaking news. It is constant fear being driven at you, child of God. You know that fear is from the enemy. And we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and sound mind. But the problem is if we don't know the truth and we don't know the word, you're gonna be tempted to think that you're a failure, you're in trouble, and you should be running scared. But the problem is, devil, we're children of God, which means we're overcomers and we have victory in Jesus Christ and we know how this ends, he wins. And we can walk in that faith even when the fear is all around us because fear will cripple you and paralyze you. Yes, we've been asked to adapt. We've been asked to do different things. And in great humility, we've submitted. But with great courage, we walk into our future knowing that our heavenly father is with us. And we recite Isaiah that says this, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I believe what's happening in 2020 is that all of our gods are being stripped from us. The God of finances, the God of sports, the God of political people solving your life's problems, the God of anything but our heavenly Father is being stripped from you, child of God, and you're uncomfortable. And it's a little nerve-wracking at times. But Jesus is making a big point this year because he's sovereign of all things. You can trust nothing but me. But don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. I'm gonna strengthen you. I'm gonna help you. I will uphold you. I will uphold you. Just like Peter pulled the man up and just like Jesus, I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. Don't be afraid. Some great stuff to inspire us to keep moving when fear wants us to stay hidden in a corner. Heavenly Father, use this message today to inspire someone who feels discouraged. Use this message today to inspire someone who's stuck in a rut. Use this message today to inspire someone who feels they have no worth. Use this message today to inspire a defeated life, to say I may not get a physical healing, But Lord, I'm gonna stop praying you change my circumstance. I'm gonna start praying you change me. Renew my mind. Help me to think like you. Renew my heart. It's been broken, Lord. Restore it. Renew my energy, God. It's been zapped from fear. Renew my passion for life. It's been crippled by discouragement. Renew my hope for eternity. It's been crippled by my love of comfort. Renew my desire to pioneer and follow my heavenly father no matter whatever, however, or whenever you call. Thank you for lives like Nick who inspire us to press on even when all circumstances say give up. Amen.